Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. And as we start this week's edition, I want our listenership to have a true appreciation for the dedication to this program that one Keith Jones has. Are you going to play more music? I'm not going to play more music. There's no long distance dedication coming up. I'm simply going to point out that you could have gotten on a plane today and flown to Montego Bay, Jamaica with the basketball team for a splendid weekend in your... I don't even want to know. For five word trunks. But instead, you opted to come here to the studios and record this week's edition of Front Row Knows. That, that, folks, was the sole reason I chose to stay in the United States. It's impressive. And it's that kind of devotion and dedication that our listeners have come to appreciate. Basketball team looked good last night. That they did. That they did. Uh, only only issue is give give Gene and I... About three more games to work on those pronunciations and pronunciations because we butchered Ike and Fiondu up one side and down the other. However, we all have quickly learned to pronounce Chris Kumaji. No question. He looked really good last night. That he did. He tied a career high with 14 points, set a career high with five blocks. Um, you know, he, he, when you say he looks stronger, he's still very slender. But you can tell he's put on a little bit of weight. Uh, he's always had that little bit of a feisty attitude. You know, that's one thing that's kind of interesting. With the exception of Ojo, all of the bigger guys that uh, Leonard has brought in through his career, you know, you wouldn't want to say they're soft, but they're, but they're not aggressive. Well, Chris has been aggressive from day one. And at seven foot four, with he's another, he's got a little nastiness. He to does, yeah. and another fifteen or twenty pounds on that frame. Granted, still very slender, uh, but he he can run. Uh, he he he's very focused. He understands what's going. He's worked on that baby hook. Now, with that baby hook from about six feet in, maybe seven feet, he's very accurate. Now, when he gets out to about ten feet. He's got well, extra work to do. And that's the problem because as he faces bigger bodies, they'll go better push competition, him out. they'll push him out. out. Yeah, no question. So I don't want to make too much out of a victory over George Washington, but it was the season opener. I thought there were some encouraging things last well, year. Well, that's a team that went 20 and 15 last year. They made it to the CBI tournament uh, and and had some folks coming back. And I thought you saw a great deal of talent. They'll be very good in the A-10. Uh, they're certainly not an ACC caliber team. But Leonard was uh, very complimentary of the team afterwards and, and privately, you know, was very uh, – thought that it was a very good test for his club and was very impressed with what uh, Maurice Joseph and, and the George Washington group had been able to put together in terms of a game plan. So we start with basketball. We'll continue with basketball next segment. We'll talk uh, women's hoops as Coach Sue will join us. Always look forward to our conversations with her. We need to talk some football as well. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us later on. Florida State obviously went on the road. It's been hashed, rehashed already. Was in position to win the game at Clemson. We talked about it on our Sunday show. The interception and then kind of the wind went out of the sails and Clemson ends up winning. How about the explanation afterwards that we didn't know Sunday when we did our show on that interception? Because uh, I was I was up in the booth, you were down on the field. I had a chance to kind of look up at the replay, and and it was two high safeties, and 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 James chose to go to a crossing route, crossed the face of the first one, didn't see the the second one. Jimbo goes back and looks at the tape. I've gone back and looked at the tape. He threw to the wrong guy. The The out route to the outside to his right was wide open. And the point is, again, and I know our, our listeners and fans are tired of hearing it, but that that's just a freshman mistake. He He saw the guy come open first read, didn't realize it was two high safeties, didn't go to the second read, gets picked off. That's just a freshman mistake. Now, some people have been very critical of Jimbo by saying, well, you just took the ball over. Why didn't you run the ball a few times, take advantage of it? Well, that's not the way coaches think. You've gotten the, you've gotten the turnover, go for the home run. And I, I do not have any problem whatsoever with the call. It's just unfortunate that Blackman went to the wrong receiver. It's also hindsight when you get into no that. No question. I mean, 
it's easy now to say, why don't you run the ball? But if they ran the ball three times and lost six yards and we're out of field goal range, why, didn't, it, throw why it? didn't you throw the ball? So it's easy to have those conversations now. Florida State gets Delaware State at 12 noon on Saturday. How about we're, this? How about this? Excuse me for interrupting. No, screw it. I'm interrupted. How many point favorite are we? I haven't looked. One one report I read had us as a 45-point favorite. What's the most points we've scored in a ball game this year? That would be 28. And we're a 45-point favorite. Well, Dell State is 2-8. and eight. They are. And one of the wins is over 1-9 and nine Morgan State. Yes, it is. I don't know who the other one's over. It doesn't matter. There you go. Florida State is in the uh, 12 noon bracket the rest of the way, as it turns out. Because Bring out your suntan lotion. The Gator game has been announced as 12 noon. The ULM game is 12 noon. And on the upside, I have perused the ACC Bowl schedule, Keith. Uh-oh. Are you ready to make an announcement? There is, prediction? There is only one bowl tie-in with a 12 noon kick. So I feel confident that if FSU gets bowl eligible, this will be the bowl they'll play in. And it is? Drum roll, please. It's the TaxSlayer.com Bowl in Jacksonville, which people will say, how in the world is FSU going to get there? And the answer is they need Clemson and Miami and Notre Dame to either end up in the playoff or the New Year's Six Bowls because that moves everybody up in the pecking order a few rungs. And then at the end of the day, you get that tier one bowls for the ACC and they get on the line and they cut their backroom deals and they politic. And Rick Catlett over in Jacksonville says, we really want Florida State. And at the 11th hour, Florida State ends up there and Wake Forest and BC and everybody else who wound up with a better record than FSU, albeit by just one game because you can't jump them if they're two games, gets annoyed. Well, all I know is... Uh, three games in 17 days, and then we'll worry about that later. Yeah, I know. I just I thought it was in light of the 12. But that is very, very astute on noon, your part. Yeah, I went, I said, well, which which bowl game exactly. is at 12 noon? Let me figure it out. Yeah, obviously Florida State's got to win games first to see if uh, that comes to fruition. Uh, one thing that uh, always comes to fruition is uh, I remind our listeners that you should uh, visit centraliitalian.com. Friday at uh, Madison Social is Ruben Day because they do that the 17th uh, of every month. He's a nice fella. Have, and, you, have you met him yet? Uh, Ruben, mm-hmm. he's a pretty good guy. Yeah, yeah, he's he's there every every seventeenth of the month. So you just tell him we said hello. Uh, Township and I think Madison Social too will be open on Thanksgiving night. Not to serve food, but uh, if you just need something to wind down, they're opening at eight o'clock on Thanksgiving night for what they're calling Friendsgiving. Well, how about how about, Keith? I'm looking at you as I say this because I'm going to be out of town. But you know, how about Black? Is it Black Friday? Yes now technically starts at six o'clock on thanksgiving day p.m it starts whenever the first retailer would like to offer their sales yes i mean i keep reading about 6 p.m i think i saw day. my first black friday email like a month ago about whatever sale was yes you have black friday then you have cyber monday then you have giving tuesday and then you have front row Knowles wednesday and that's the way it works right after thanksgiving Sue Semrau, head coach of the women's basketball team, will join us when we come back. Stay with us. on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on front row Knowles and back to basketball we go. We mentioned the men's team opened last night with a victory. The women's team is already 2-0. and And as we go to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together, we say hello to longtime head coach of the Florida State women's squad, Sue Semrau. Coach, how are you? I'm great. It was a great, great game for the men last night. Excited for them to to tip off the way they did yeah they look good and i know your team uh, has looked good thus far and you're getting ready for a big game on on friday anytime you play the gators it's a big game but before we talk anything about this year's team congratulations you're absolutely killing it on the signing trail i mean i think you've signed <laughs> five so far and your class is maybe number three for next year so obviously you're a great salesperson and you've got a great product to sell to sell but uh you know just just kind of walk us through how you've had such a put together such a great class for next year 
You know, it's been such a cool process here at Florida State to, to come in uh, so many years ago and and watch the the program build. And there's so many things that go into that. It's but it starts with the people, and that has never changed. Uh, Florida State has just exceptional people, uh, people of excellence, high high character, high quality, and that that really sells itself. You know, you, you look at now being a preeminent institution and what John Thrasher has done. Uh, what we've been able to do as an athletic department with every team going to the NCAA tournament a year ago and back-to-back a few years back. So those types of things come together and it makes it an attractive place for, for people to come play. It doesn't hurt when you've been to the Elite Eight two out of the last three years. Congratulations on that, by the way. But I know that that's not the, that's not the end goal, and I'm sure that it sticks in your craw that you don't have that Final Four yet, but I feel I know that you're right there. So how much is that a point of motivation or a topic of conversation with you and your team? Well, you know, that, that does – it hurts to come so close. You know, we were three possessions away uh, two years ago and uh, three minutes away another year, and, and it's just – you know, that type of of drive and laser-sharp focus that every team now comes in with. And there's a standard that's already been set. The alumni have been fantastic to come back, support, be a part of it, and know that we've all built it together. So we're, we're working hard in, in that way. And uh, I think that's what a lot of these recruits are saying, too, is you know, we can play with great players and we can do something that's never been done here in the state of Florida. Sue, one more big picture, uh, and, and, and I'm just curious because uh, our, our listeners may not understand, but when it comes to women's athletics, I'm sure you talk to your colleagues around the country, and they, they have to spend X percent of their time demanding, requesting, coddling, trying to get resources. How, how much does it free you up? I know you still do that, and I, I know there's still some bias, and you're, you're overcoming some additional challenges, but but how how freeing is that? You mentioned the alumni, you mentioned the administration, where you can you can spend your time coaching your team and recruiting players and not having to worry about, you know, administrative type stuff. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that, Keith, because I, I feel like from day one, I've had to get outside of my personality as far as as the patience factor that if you're going to build something, then you have to drive. And part of that has been driving the, the administration to get to a point where we, it's not like, oh, we want what the men have. It's we want what Tennessee has. We want, if we want to succeed at that level, then we've got to look at our peers in women's basketball at that level. And, you know, quite frankly, we're still not there. It's every, every year it's a new challenge. Uh, you look at even football. You look at what Jimbo has been able to do at Florida State and will come back and have a fantastic finish to his year. But all the other programs now that are succeeding have more. And it becomes this arms race, and that makes it extremely difficult when it's happening in every single program. On that being said, it's been exciting to have built and to have fought and to now be able to to look at things that are at a higher level and not being building from the ground up. As we got ready for this interview, Sue, I said I'm not going to do this again because every time I talk to you as someone who's been associated with women's hoops, I can point to just where the program was when you arrived. But here I am. I'm going to do it again. And I know you don't, <laughs> you don't want to look in the rearview mirror. You're about looking ahead. But I just don't know that our listenership truly has the context of where the program was, winless in the ACC. Uh, I mean, to be frank, and and you might not like this term, but really a laughing stock or at the bottom of the league. So you're to be commended. Why did you take this job? <laughs> Just because Tom Block uh, came to school here. Ah. And I, I had heard about the great Tom Block, and I wanted to build our careers together. Well, c- congratulations. Uh, between the two of us. <laughs> One of you has succeeded. Yes, if we average it out, we're both doing okay. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Shaquilla Thomas, Sue. Uh, I-, I know you lost, you know, to me, I, I loved watching Leticia Romero play and the way she, uh, you know, could handle the point and that sort of thing. But but you've got a player in Shaquilla now who has, uh, I-, I know around the league that when the, the opposing coaches break out the game tape and prepare for FSU they're trying to figure out okay what are we going to do with Shaquille now she's a senior uh, I think she's on pace as I look at this to to end up as certainly the number three all-time leading scorer in program history probably or potentially the number two all-time scorer so uh, I mean she's just a freak that you've you've got the pleasure of putting out in that starting lineup every game 
Yeah, and you know the the best thing about her is uh, is her humility. And we went up and played at Jacksonville State this past weekend, and we stopped by her hometown of Sylacauga. Her family, which is huge, uh, rented out the church uh, fellowship hall and just cooked, and it was unbelievable. There, there were probably over a hundred people there uh, in support of Shakela. Uh, our team got a chance to meet her uh, extended family, and that's what I love about Shakela. Everybody sees her jump shot. Everybody sees her athleticism, uh, but we see her heart, and that's what's going to take her so far and already has. I've known her since she was you know, in the seventh grade, and she's, um, she's a very humble, very talented young lady who has uh, high aspirations, and uh, certainly we haven't finished with her game yet. Sue, you and the, the ladies took a trip uh, this summer. Uh, the NCAA allows those, what, once every four years, whatever the requirements mm-hmm. are. Talk a little bit about uh, going overseas with this group and, and uh, what you were able to accomplish and, and maybe some of the fun things that you were able to do. Yeah, it was a really cool adventure. And one of the things we talk about a lot at Florida State is you don't just have education, but you get education in 3D. I mean, it's one thing to to look at, uh, you know, the where the Pope lives in the book and then, you know, then to turn around and go to the Vatican. I mean, it's just completely different. And so to be able to do that kind of education three-dimensionally, have it right in front of you, uh, was just outstanding for us um, as, a, as a group, for them as young people, uh, to be able to go to Spain uh, where Io Lopez is from, go to her hometown of Blanes and see where she lives, meet her family. It was just those types of things are memories you will never forget. And it put us in a position where for 10 days we got a chance to practice together with some uh, new players. And we got 10 days together. And, and you you guys are married. You know it's not easy with uh, 15 women to hang out for 10 days. I mean, we were – but they were great. And they came became a very close-knit unit, and it's really helped our chemistry so far. Let's move it back on the court a little bit, Coach, uh, because you've got a new point guard this year. I know uh, I think Nikki Akamu and, uh, and, and Wolfuck are off to good starts. Just kind of give us a thumbnail beyond uh, Shakela in terms of what you've got out there right now. Yeah, we have a fifth-year uh, point guard, which is she's been phenomenal, and A.J. Alex, and she came from TCU. She graduated from TCU. Now she's getting a master's degree here at Florida State. Uh, has a ton of Big 12 experience, which was really nice because – we were looking at probably having a freshman point guard in Siani Lasseter. And then in the first week of practice, Siani uh, tore her ACL. So it's just a, a godsend that AJ's here. And with the kind of experience she has, uh, she just is a multidimensional player. And then, you know, Nikki Kamu and Naja Wolfark were both just waiting in the wings and learning from both Brittany Brown and Leticia Romero. I mean, they were they're extremely talented, and both of them learned a lot. Didn't have to make their mistakes in front of people last year, and now they have a chance to step into the role that uh, that they came here to play, and it's been phenomenal. Amani Wright, I mean, I can't tell you enough. Uh, you know, she stretches the defense. She's ability, her ability to defend is is phenomenal. Chatrice White, you know, another post player for us, who's a McDonald's All American. Uh, you know, it just goes, we're, we're extremely talented. We're not as deep as we've been in the past, but extremely talented. Sue, so talk a little bit about your, your non-conference, and then when you get into the ACC, your, your non-conference schedule and, and who you look to or who, who who's going to be at the forefront of the ACC teams. You know, that's a it's an interesting question because as soon as the season starts, I just look at the next game, and and the next game is Florida, and I don't even look beyond it. I don't really care what's happening in the ACC. My mind is just locked in on um, beating the Gators. And so we have to go down there this year. It's always a tough place for us to play. It's a tough game. It doesn't matter, you know, who has what. It's just a fight. And we know that in every sport at Florida State. So right now our focus is is on the Gators. I will say that we have a, a great um, home game coming up in December with Arizona State coming in. It's been a team that we've met uh, before in the Sweet 16 on a couple of occasions, uh, so that'll be a great matchup as well. But 
that's the only one I'm going to let my mind go to for the moment. Yeah, well, we'll cover your ears because you also play at Texas in December, and they're in the top five or top ten. <laughs> and, and looking at the polls here on the road at Louisville, uh, they're a top ten program at Duke. The ACC is going to be loaded as always. I cut you off, Keith. Go no, ahead. I was just fixing to say, uh, Coach, tell us about Friday night's game. Forget the rest of the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> You're around basketball enough, Keith, to know. It's, I, I, it's I know. I stepped, right, I stepped right into that and Sue, Sue appropriately but very nicely reminded me that i'm an idiot (laughs) so let me ask you this who do you uh i I know that um you know you knew john wooden and uh followed a lot of his leadership principles and and just in your time at florida state i mean you've had coach bowden and you got jimbo and mike martin i mean you can just pick a pick a sport and pick the coach at florida state and they're pretty established but is there somebody you turn to in terms of leadership principles when you're when you're working with your team or coaching your team in terms of this is this is who does it or this is what uh theories they subscribe to and i I want my team to emulate that you know it's interesting because over the 20 years i think i've i've pretty much established the way uh i want to do things uh, through the mentorship of so many people, all of those that you that you mentioned, uh, there's a, a coach I worked with for six years, Jane Albright, who's now retired. That uh, is a, again a, just a tremendous resource for me. And then right now too, it's been fun to watch the women's game uh, and us become more um, open with each other about the things and the ways that we'll do things. And you know, I. I've learned a lot, and I hate this. I can say this now, but I, I won't ever say it again from Billy Donovan because um, he's not at Florida anymore. I can be his friend, and I've learned a lot from from him. And and just yeah, we I, I get an opportunity to go to a Nike coaches trip every year, and men's and women's coaches are there, and just the the relationships you build. There's a lot of people I could pick up the phone and and call and ask, and and would just really respect their opinion. Well, Coach, uh, we respect certainly what you've done and continue to do with your program and uh, wish you the best of luck. There's only one game left on the schedule. It's this Friday in Gainesville. That's right. <laughs> so we wish you good luck against the Gators. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. And the rest of the way, if there's anything after that. Thanks. We'll be out there. Thank you, Sue. Okay, bye-bye. Coach Sue Semrau, 21 years now. Uh, which uh, Can again, that really be true? She's over 400 wins and, and counting, and uh, I'll toot her horn now that she's – unless she's still listening, but I, I surmise she probably hung up because she doesn't need to listen to us banner. But NCAA tournament 12 out of the last 13 years, three Elite Eights, five Sweet 16s, two ACC regular season championships. I mean, she has she's done a terrific job with the program. And uh, how many of her players have been in trouble or been expelled or had issues? it's uh, probably zero. There we go. Um, anything else right now, or should we? I, you know, I, again, I, I, I just focus on that 21 years. I remember when Coach Sue got here, and it just, you know, as as are a lot of things, just it doesn't seem like it's that, that long ago. And how about the fact that now there La- are coaches? Laughing stock may have been too strong a term for me to throw out there, but they were dead last in the ACC winless, and, and clearly it was a job that uh, – you know, it wasn't like everybody was knocking down the door saying we can go win at FSU at that time. Well, how about this? She's been here long enough and had enough success that some of the other coaches now look to her. You talked about her calling Coach Bowden or talking with Mike Martin or Coach Donovan. There are coaches on the Florida State staff now in other sports that that will con, you know go to her right, right. in confidence and say, "Should I change this? Do I need to do that? That type of thing." She's become a, a dean, if you will, in that uh, in that regard. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us in a little while. We'll step aside, come back to react to more Coach Sue and uh, get the conversation back to football right after this on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith.
Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and Keith with you on this Wednesday. We do the show each and every Wednesday, as you should know by now. You can stream it live on the WTSM app. Head to ESPNTallahassee.com and under the Audio Vault uh, drop-down menu, simply click on the Front Row. You can find archived versions or editions of the show there. Uh, you can also subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, and you can follow some of us on Twitter, at underscore Tom Block. That would be some. That would be some. Keith, that conversation, I always enjoy talking to Sue. She's done such a terrific job with the program on the women's side, and they'll be good again this year. And for her to have a top three recruiting class signed, you know, that's a little different than the last few years. What she's really done an excellent job of the last five to seven years is finding transfers who have come in, like a Leticia Romero or some of them that are on the team still this year. But these are these are out of high school kids, and she's got a top five class. So she's done good. But she she mentioned something that as soon as she said it, I immediately thought of Jimbo and, you know, his wishes for a football ops building at Florida State. And then she went there and basically said the same thing Jimbo says, which is it just never ends. When you're in an arms race, you got to go. So my question to you is, when does it end? Well, uh, And I don't mean at Florida State. I mean big picture. I, 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 that becomes a very big, no, no pun intended, question. You know, my question to Sue was along the lines, I know she worked so hard early on to, to get facilities and resources up. Uh, I, I was curious uh, as to whether she felt like she had reached a level. I mean, I didn't want to ask it that way. Are you where you think you need to be? Obviously, the answer is no, but the answer is no for everybody and for everything. And so your question is, where where does it end? I, I don't know. We, we hear about uh, a $55 million building for Clemson. Uh, I think Florida has broken ground on an indoor practice facility and an operations building. Uh, Duke moved into a new operations building a couple of years ago for football. Um, it appears that it doesn't end, that it never ends. Now, the only, the only thing I can think of that's a corollary – that we've seen turn is there was this push for the last 20, 25, 30 years to increase the size of your football stadium. You know, Florida State was at 47,000 capacity when I played, add-ons, add-ons, and then more center, and now that it was up to 82 or 83,000 in stated capacity. Well, then they put in the Champions Club, and and the the seats have actually come down. I think they technically listed at eighty or seventy nine five, something like that now. And then you look at the, some of the newer facilities, like UCF's facility on campus or Papa John Stadium up in Louisville, and those are seating in the forty five to forty eight thousand dollar range, uh, thousand uh, people range. And then you you back off and you look at Florida Stadium, you look at uh, the stadium in Tennessee. Uh, you look at Jordan Jordan Hare. You look at um, uh, the big house uh, in Michigan. Yeah, the shoe. The shoe. You know, have we reached the maximum in terms of now? It's not the gross number of seats. It's it's the the, the seat count goes down, but you offer more premium well, seats available. Maybe that's turned, but I don't know where the facilities graph ever turns and on that's the, a very good question on the stadium size pro stadiums have sort of settled into the sixty-five thousand range in terms of capacity but they're getting the corporate dollar and building the club seats on the college side i think that will continue to be different because you have some places where there's not a less, lot else going on frankly i mean and and, and there's popular you know in the state of alabama there's there's nascar and there's alabama and auburn football yeah there's no professional team there's no professional teams florida and fsu is always going to be at a disadvantage uh, at least until the population completely shifts and takes over the pan and all of florida state's alums and students come from the i-4 corridor or south i mean they're tampa orlando fort lauderdale miami so it's a challenge to fill it and i think ultimately we're probably a decade away from this, but uh, whenever they get in and, and fix the rest of the stadium in terms of the main bowl of the stadium, they've done the end zones, but in terms of the main bowl, I think you're looking at shrinking capacity down to 65 or 70 at Doak. And again, that's 10 years away. Probably. And the other part of that is is the rights fees. You know, we, we've heard all about uh, ESPN and, and the other networks that maybe have overpaid for their television rights and, and come next renewal, whenever that is, is there a dip in the gross revenue that gets generated by TV? I, I don't know if that will happen or not, uh, but I think it all leads back to when is when is it going to turn and how much is too much or, or are we on a path that says we're going to do this for the next few decades? 
everybody's been wondering on the on the cable side, you know, waiting for things to blow up, and it hasn't yet, even though it's it's ticked down. I, I don't know what the answer is on it, but you know, you can't pay the players, even though they get the cost of attendance now. So they are getting more than you know, they're getting five thousand more a year in the case of FSU than they ever got. Um, but I don't know where it goes. But you can't pay them, so you pay the head coach more, you pay the assistant coaches more, you build more elaborate facilities, you you start chartering nicer planes. I mean, that's where all the dollar, and it's all about recruiting at the end of the day. I would rather see, uh, and the answer is you'll probably continue to fund facilities, and there'll be a fight to get more scholarships. But you're looking at the sport of college baseball is huge, and ESPN's using it to program all their networks. Uh, I mean, it's a big deal because there's a lot of college baseball games. And five to seven it's, years ago, it was not. And it's it not a full. Not. Col- it's not a full scholarship sport. No, what, 13, 13 and a half? Uh, less than that, yeah, crazy 11.7 number. or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of sports that are not full scholarship sports. So to me, that would be an area. Of course, some people have the misconception that scholarships means that it's free. Well, it's free for the student athlete, but in the case of FSU, Seminole Boosters is reimbursing the university for the tuition. So if you add more scholarships, that's a bigger dollar that they got to raise every year. And that scholarship issue, I do believe, is going to get um, uh, pressure. Uh, the limitation for football right now is 85. It's been that way since they were playing 11 regular season games. Now they're playing 12 regular season games. Plus a conference Plus a conference championship. Plus a playoff. Plus the playoffs. And Jimbo has said and other coaches have echoed that, uh, you know, the whole red shirt concept, uh, five years to play four, the three and uh, those that leave after three because they're they're talented enough to go to the NFL. Um you know, I, I think one of the things that may change quicker than anything, pardon me, is that scholarship limitation. I think it's conceivable and right that that be looked at and potentially go to 90 or 95 given the increased contest that you're playing. Be an interesting debate because you could get to a compromise point on there. There's this discussion about, and we've had it, about expanding the season so you get two bye weeks in there, which, you know, coaches – they're not opposed to it if you don't start the preseason earlier. But if if the powers that be want to start the preseason earlier, then the coaches can go back and say, well, give us 90 players on scholarship. Right. I mean, it's certainly a negotiation point on it. Um, of course, Jimbo's name is is in the news and the rumors again. Yesterday, USA Today ran a huge story uh, about Texas A&M is prepared to come and, and come after Jimbo again. His name is up for Tennessee. I can just add that I don't see Tennessee as a player at all, and this is because I've had a conversation with Jimbo, and this was years ago, but the basic premise was what are good jobs, and the answer is twofold. you got to have resources, i.e. dollars, boosters, commitment, that sort of thing, and you got to have resources, i.e. players. got to be able to recruit. And the state of Tennessee, you're at a disadvantage because there's not enough players there. You can think about when he was rumored to go to West Virginia. He's from West Virginia. Everybody wants to go home, right? No. Not if the state doesn't have enough players. So when you're at Tennessee, you're always at least number two on somebody's choice because you're going into the state of Georgia and their affinities to the Bulldogs. You're going into Alabama and you're having to fight Alabama. And so to me, Tennessee is not a player in that conversation at all. I think he's in at FSU, uh, but the Texas A&M thing, there's obviously enough players in Texas, and there's a lot of dollars in Texas. Well, and you, and you talk about the dollars, article in the paper this morning uh, about what, you know, quote-unquote Jimbo's buyout is versus what he would have to pay if he leaves relative to the coaches. And obviously that fuels the other banter we were not, we're not going to get into about, you know, who leaves and who stays and what changes are made uh, after the end of this season. But it all it all does revolve around one shape, form, or fashion the almighty dollar and uh you can be mad about that you can be upset if you don't like it then just do away with intercollegiate athletics otherwise be quiet because it's here to stay as usual we have more questions than answers but we're good at that we are good at that we are good at that uh that's why we lean on our seminoles.com insider tim linefeld so we can just push the questions his way and but does him. he have any answers we'll find out when we come back on front row knolls Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
We didn't even get Tim walk-up music this week. We just went with a front row staple as we roll into this segment where we're going to break down all the X's and O's you need to know for the matchup with Delaware State on Saturday at 12 noon. We go to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, how are you? I'm good. You know, I like that. That's George, right? Yes. I, I like that. That kind of makes me feel peaceful and at ease and just sort of equanimous with the state of the world right now. I think it's a good thing. Well, now, if you want peaceful, easy feeling, we got to go to the Eagles. Uh, maybe next week. Tim is our Seminoles.com insider, if you don't know that. Seminoles.com, your place to go for all the latest in Florida State sports. Uh, Keith pointed out earlier in the show, Tim, that Florida State is a 40-something point favorite over Delaware State. And we haven't scored more than 28 points in a game, so I'm trying to do the math on how that works out. Well, yeah, you know, you see that and you think, oh, okay. Uh, and, and look, you know, it's, you never want to you know, say anything terribly disparaging about an opponent, but, uh, you know, I, I think that probably says as much about Delaware State uh, as it does uh, Florida State uh, in particular. I know, especially in the last few years, you know, in, in college football, we've seen examples of FCS programs coming and, and beating an FCS program and, you know, Darren Ravel tweets just how much they got paid to, to win and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen here. I don't think Delaware State is that, that kind of team. And you're talking about a group that, that pretty manually finishes near the bottom of the uh, the MEAC conference. Uh, and uh, I think they're 1-8 and eight this season. Haven't looked very good doing it. So I think that's probably where that comes from. You know, when those tweets go out about how much schools are getting paid, it's often forgotten that the school that is writing the check is also generating revenue by playing the game that covers the check and so that school still makes money too but i digress so florida state right now obviously we know the position tim they've got to win three in a row you can only do that one at a time and uh, you know we're at the point of the year there's speculation about everything uh keith uh, myself and you may not be back next year at this point tim but i'm curious the main gist of the question is my buyout is very very small given given everything that's out there in the interwebs how much confidence do you have that this team will buckle down and be focused and take care of what they need to, not so much against Delaware State, because I don't know how much focus you need for that game, but to get the three games done and one? You know, honestly, Tom, I, I think they're going to do it. Uh, weirdly enough, um, I think it's a, a really good thing and a, a really unique thing for Florida State to have some significant goals still on the table. Uh, I know, obviously, everybody goes in, expecting a lot more than, than a winning season and a bowl game. And, and Florida State, the, you know, this program has created that culture. However, uh, I, you, know, you get to the point where you can you know, say to your guys, hey, look, this is still something you can achieve, and it's not just something. You know, we, we talked about Florida the other day. This is, they're going to miss a bowl for the second time in five years or four years, whatever it is. I'm going to say it's not a big deal, but it's not as big of a deal. Uh, so, you know, just to have something to, to go to your team and say, hey, look, you know, there's still a stamp you can put on this season. You can still, you know, they've heard multiple guys say they don't want to be the one to let that streak drop. And, man, when you're talking about a 40-year streak, yeah, you bet. You don't want to be the one to let that streak drop. So uh, between that and then the fact that I think, one, uh, you know, I expect Florida State to, to, to handle Delaware State pretty comfortably. Florida struggling the way they are. Uh, and also uh, – they have the opposite of what we just said. You know, they're the, the best thing that they can play for is to keep Florida State out of a bowl game. Uh, but they're not doing anything big picture. They have an interim head coach, and you know, rumors out there that uh, suggest that there, you know, there could be a, a new coach there before too long. I think they, they that program just kind of wants to get this season over with and, and start moving forward. So with that, uh, if, I think if you win those two games and have a chance to come home and beat ULM and, and secure the bowl game and potentially a winning season, of course, if you go on and win your bowl game. Uh, I think that's enough for, for Florida State to uh, to win some games that they probably should expect to win. Tim, Tim was there any carryover of, um, I don't know, accomplishment? There's no such thing as moral victories, but you go to Clemson, uh, you're down 17-14, but you have the ball on their 40-yard line with six minutes left to play. Uh, I mean, I was impressed with the effort. I thought I was pleased with the, with the game. Uh, I, I wish those last fourteen points hadn't been scored. I, I think seventeen fourteen was indicative of how that contest should have finished. But w- were there any positive takeaways that you've heard about in the last couple three days as you talked with folks? Yeah, I think most most players look. They they weren't happy to uh, to lose, and, and and you know, in the immediate aftermath of the game, I thought some of the guys. Uh, were maybe as angry um, as they've been after a loss and frustrated in that, you know, they thought they should have won that game. They thought they were in position to, uh, and, you know, with the ball, a three-point deficit, and, and you know, kind of all the momentum of the second half uh, on their side, I think they had a pretty good reason to think they should win that game. Uh, 
But when you get a chance to sort of take a deep breath and look back at it, I think you had to look at it, and I think this is kind of what Jimbo is saying to them, and I think what the players can know is like, look, you played well enough to win that game. You played well enough to beat the number four team in the country, probably a playoff team. You played well enough at times to beat them in their stadium, which is a place that you know people don't just go there and win very easily. If you can do that, you can that type of effort, that type of game, you can definitely win these next three. And so, you know, I think the message is now is like you, you got it in you. Here it is on film right here. You've seen it. Now bring it out for these last three games and, and, and finish strong. So I think that's the positive thing is they they know they have what it takes to accomplish their goals inside. It's just a matter of getting it out. You bring up something we haven't talked about on this show, and that is in light of the latest CFP rankings, Florida State, you know, was down a field goal at the half against the number one team in the country on a neutral field. They were down a field goal with six minutes remaining at Clemson last week, and they were up on Miami with 11 seconds to play at home, and that's the one, two, and three teams in the country. We focus so much on the results. It's human nature. That's what fans do. And at the end of the day, FSU's three and six. And you could argue they could be worse if they didn't win some games at the end. But you could also argue that they're really not that far from competing at the highest level again. Um, and, and so I guess that's what I throw to you. I, I hear a lot of people that are panicked about recruiting and what's going to happen. I don't worry about any of that. Now, if you get five bad years in a row, three bad years in a row in recruiting, that's a problem. Florida State's recruited fine. And if they dip a little bit this year, they're still going to be right back on the on the national stage again based Based on the, the talent they have now. Oh yeah, I don't worry about that at all. And I, you know, I think we we said in February that, that this was a, a pretty low key, difficult schedule, uh, and it's turned out to be, I think, tougher than we were expecting. Maybe Louisville not quite up to the standard that we thought, but uh, but Miami, I think, way better than uh, than we all thought. So yeah, I mean, look, man, it's the number one, two, three, numbers one, two, and three teams in the country, and there's a chance that all three of those teams can make the playoffs. Um, I mean, you know, I tweeted that last night, and, uh, and folks kind of said what you said. They, they didn't really want to hear it. I was like, yeah, you lost all three. I was like, okay, fine, fine. And that's true. But, you know, look, man, I mean, that's a – I know the one of the metrics has Florida State as the uh, having like the fourth or fifth most difficult schedule in the country. I don't, I don't know who's ahead of them. Uh, that, that's kind of hard for me to imagine. I guarantee nobody's played the number one, two, and three teams uh, in the country at this point. So – I think, you know, you, you look at it that way and say the one, the schedule is really tough. And, you know, it was kind of a, a perfect storm, a perfect confluence of events that sort of led to this type of season. Not to say that there weren't some issues that, that need to be addressed or, or that did need to be addressed. But uh, when you factor in a really tough schedule with, uh, you, know, one, you know, losing your starting quarterback, I think we, we so, we're so used to Florida State having lost a starting quarterback uh, this season now that I think we lose sight of, of just how significant that is. I mean, that's kind of crazy. There's, I don't think there's many teams in the country that could lose their starting quarterback and expect to have the type of season that they did uh, coming in. So uh, to me, I just sort of, I sort of speaks to one, the schedule's tough, and two, just kind of what a weird, uh, unusual season it's been. Obviously, unusual in a, in a not so good way. But you look at everything that, that's kind of led to this point, and maybe it's not as surprising as as we think it is. Does that make sense? I feel like I got kind of rambling there. Well, you used some big words, too. So Keith and I were thumbing through the dictionary here to try and keep up with you. I'm but, sorry, what? Are we still on the air? Yeah, but Tim, <laughs> uh, KJ was just taking his, his daily nap. Uh, it's time for rapid fire. We're going to go ahead and grade you from last week first. You're still hanging on by a thread. Still, uh, you know, you're still passing, barely. Let's listen in. Cam Akers, plus or minus 99.5 yards. Plus. Total FSU points over under 24 and a half. Under. Number of laptops on the Florida State sideline this week. <laughs> Zero. Will KJ slide down the slide in the Clemson Football Operations Building while we're there? Yes, on Friday after lunch. Will the Clemson fans rush the field regardless of outcome? Yeah, yeah that's what they do, right? Yeah. Number of uh, blocked kicks by Florida State, the over under is a half. Oh boy! You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go over. Will Jimbo go for a fourth down in this game? Yes. Does soccer get a win on Friday night? Yes. Miami Notre Dame, who you got? Notre Dame. Number of three pointers for PJ Savoy in the opener on Tuesday night. Over under is four and a half. Under. And number of points scored by Shaquilla Thomas in the women's uh, opener on Friday. I'll set that at seventeen and a half. Over. 
a caveat. Keith is keeping score. The slide question we can kind of throw out because here's the reality. We stayed in Greenville. Clemson's 55 miles away, and as much as I would have liked to have seen that, we're too cheap to pay for an Uber ride all the way up to Greenville for Keith to get in and ride that slide. So we'll we'll skip that one. What was the what was the tally? Well, there? it was six to five if you include the slide. Six positive, five negative. If you take that out, uh, then he's batting 500 again. Uh, so you but no, yeah, 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 the slide was a no. The slide was a no. I'm sorry, you are correct. So you're six, six and four. four. Six yeah, and four. Thank hey, you, Tim. You know, Thank be, you, Tim. You me short here. All right. I just, before you weighed in, I wanted to give that disclaimer because it was, you know, if the team hotel was close to Clemson, odds are that we would have. Oh, it would have happened. Yeah, yeah. I was looking pretty good on Cam Akers early on, by the way. You were. There's the cat. There he is again, justifying. No, it's just, it's uh, black and white, context. Tim. It's a yes/no question, and you missed it. All right. Adding speaking context, of which, speaking all. of which, let's get to this week's. Are you questions. ready? You sitting yeah. down? Here's the deal. We're not playing rapid fire this week. Happy Thanksgiving, Tim. Because next week we're doing a best of show. There's no way to grade you, so you're off the hook totally. How about that, huh? All right, that sounds good to me. Yep. So we'll just. Well, is that go down as a zero or a hundred? Hmm. I it'll be like the end of the year where you, you drop my. Uh, it'll, my go, it'll go down as a push. Go down yeah, as a push. It. Tim, we appreciate it as always. We will see you uh, at the Dell State game on Sunday. Maybe, uh, before I go, what did we think of uh, basketball last night? That's true. I, I, you know, and before we start a rapid fire, I wanted to ask you about basketball when we finished. So now that we're done, I was not at the game, but I watched it uh, from the comfort of my home, and they looked pretty good. Yeah, no, I thought so too. Uh, the The biggest thing to me was, I think probably most people was, Watching Chris Kamaje out there, especially in the first half, he just looks like a different dude uh, in terms of confidence, aggression. I mean, he's going getting rebounds. He's taking that little hook shot that uh, didn't go in a ton last year, but it went in a lot this year. I mean, if that shot's going at, at any type of reasonable rate, I mean, it's practically indefensible uh, when uh, when a guy is seven foot four. That Terrence Mann gave you exactly what you want out of him, which is a lot of hustle, a lot of effort, and last night that translated into a lot of rebounds and points. Uh, it was a pretty good blueprint to follow. I think it'll be interesting to see once they play a, a bigger team. George Washington was pretty small. Uh, but overall, you know, there's not really a whole lot to, to nitpick. They scored 50 points in the first half and didn't shoot a single free throw. That's got to be pretty good, right? Exactly. And I should give you kudos too, Tim, as we finish up, because I, I applauded Keith for his devotion to this show because he opted to not get on a plane to Jamaica today. And, and you, you made the same choice. So we appreciate your dedication here. Yeah, they said to me, Tim, you, we can send you to Jamaica, you know, all access, all expenses paid uh, if you'd like. And I said, no, listen, guys, I, I got a commitment to the show. So I appreciate that. And, and it's that kind of devotion we bring our listeners each week. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> you got it, guys. Of course, Tim could have called in. I mean, I, <laughs> from Jamaica. Yeah, he could have. But, all right, we'll wrap up the show right after this. We don't need no thought control. No dark sarcasm in the classroom. Teacher, leave them kids alone. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. We've still got four or five minutes, and we failed to share the best part of our Clemson trip. We'll do that momentarily. I'll remind you, though, that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. We thank uh, Ron and the folks at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Okay. I mentioned the Uber ride and how we're... Too- we, did, we did make one trip to Clemson yes. from Glen- Green- Greenville. Yes, because when we get set up for the radio, we leave well before the team, so we don't travel with the team. So we're usually taking an Uber, which is usually 15 minutes and no big deal. In the case of Greenville to Clemson, it's an hour ride. Now, had we known that we were going to get this Uber driver, we would have taken the trip on Friday as well to slide down the slide. Agreed. So the the odds on this is just bizarre, but we end up, we order an Uber, and so... The guy shows up, and uh, he he happens to mention that his son used to play at Clemson. Well, he has a Clemson shirt on. He gets out of the car. I'm so I'm standing at the trunk. He pops the trunk, gets out of the car, and I'm you know this guy's six three, six four. 
good-looking guy. Looks like he's young, 60, still in, still in good shape. And he's got a Clemson sweatshirt on. He walks over to me. He looks at me. I've got my Florida State game shirt on. He says, I don't think you can ride in this car. And I looked at him and said, I don't think you can drive me. <laughs> he says, well, I have to wear this shirt. And why is that? He says, well, my son played at Clemson. I said, really? What is his name? He says, Cole Stout. So Cole Stout was the quarterback, the starter for Clemson in 2014. If you recall, they came to Doak. That's the game where Deshaun Watson came in after the third series, and we all went, I'm glad he didn't play the first one. Exactly. We, we didn't tell Mr. Stout that part. But but who is standing from me but Cliff Stout. Now, for those of you that have followed the NFL for a while, uh, he's got two Super Bowl rings with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He played with J.T. Thomas. Florida, Florida, Florida State. Uh, alum. He was Terry Bradshaw's. He backup was Terry the, Bradshaw's yeah. backs up, backup. So played fifteen years of professional football. My first thought is, why are you driving an Uber? But I got over that real quickly. You want me to explain that? Hey, well, yeah, yeah. So here's the answer to that question. Before you, you this is this is it was all a great experience. I don't nothing disparaging needs no, to be said about this. The answer to that question is at the time he played, which was seventy six to ninety or ninety one. The, the money wasn't the same. So he said he looked last year at the top five backup quarterbacks in the NFL and their average salary, and he told his wife that he played if he could play six and a half games right now, he could make the same amount of dollars that he made in 15 years of getting beaten to a pulp as a backup quarterback because he was basically a top five quarterback when he played. So anyway, the moral of the story, and this is probably not entertaining for you as a listener, but it was for us, we had an hour ride where he shared Jack Ham stories, Jack Lambert stories, Mean Joe Green stories, Terry Bradshaw stories. The best part of the entire trip was he's telling a story, he's talking, and and Chris Culp, our engineer, is sitting up front. You and I are sitting in the back, and there's this there's this pregnant pause, and 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 Cliff goes, um, "What time do y'all go on the air?" And and we told him. He says, "And so we're we're still okay on time." And we said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Why? He said, "Well, I just missed my turn." <laughs> He got so involved talking about whatever he was talking about, and we were so enthralled in listening to him that we went right by where we were supposed to turn. Well, and right by was the exit off of I-85. Right, so the, but the main exit. If you've ever been to Clemson, it wasn't like you just go 100 yards and make a U-turn. The The way we got back to the main road was like a 30-minute detour, but fortunately we made it, and uh, that was uh, other than the 60 seconds after Izzo scored, or it was longer than 60 seconds, the time when Izzo scored to the time that Florida State recovered the fumble or the time when Blackman threw the interception, that might have been the best five minutes of the season, however long that was, because as I'm on the sideline, I look up in the stands, and it's pure panic on the face of every Clemson fan there. I mean, they're like, we're actually going to lose this game. So that was, other than that five minutes, the Uber ride was the best part of the trip to Clemson. I enjoyed talking with him. Uh, he, he couldn't be more gracious. Uh, told great stories, and uh, and it, it will go down as an all-time classic. Yeah, it was just funny they worked out. By the way, his other son played quarterback at Ole Miss, and his daughter was a volleyball uh, scholarship athlete at Louisville, if right. I heard right. So they, they did all right in the Stout family. All right. We're done, I think. Anything else for the good of the order, Keith? I, I, I want to see if Florida State covers the spread this Saturday. You don't uh, care if they cover the spread. You just want to see them play well. Well, that too. Uh, <laughs> that too. But I, I, I go back. Tim mentioned it. Uh, I've had conversations the last couple of days with some of my former teammates and some of the younger guys that are still removed. You know, the the 35-year the bowl streak and the 41-year non-losing season streak are very important to a lot of people. And I hope uh, this group of uh, uh, youngsters appreciates what it would mean to extend that. And hopefully, maybe, kind of, sort of, that can be a little bit of a motivation factor over the next three contests. When we gather next Wednesday, will Chip Kelly be the head coach at the University of Florida? No. If Florida hires Chip Kelly, they have made another bad hire. Man, I shouldn't ask this at the end. You don't think he's a fit? Not at all. The first time he goes off on one of his rants, those bull gators will go nuts. They need to hire one of their own or one that has been there before. Uh, and, and I don't mean that disparagingly. That That's the person you need at at Florida. That's I mean, Erwin, Erwin Meyer came in, won him two national championships, and, and nobody speaks favorably of him. I mean, you you need we to be part started, of that family. We should have started the show with this. You need to be part this of that family. This is why I thought Dan Mullen would be a good choice, but now his name's up for Tennessee, so we'll see. We're out of time. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll see who was right next week on Front Row Knowles. Talk to you then. Step from the road to the sea to the sky, and I do believe what we rely on. When I let on, come get the play on, all my life to sacrifice. Hey, oh.
Just in what I say 